did. Hallelujah. Well, as you can tell, I am not Pastor Steve. Yes, yes, hallelujah. Oh, Pastor and I, we just got back from vacation, as you all know. We were away with the family, and uh, starting about the first day of our vacation, Pastor started to not feel so well, <laughs> and that just continually got worse as the vacation went on. And then this morning at about a little after 3, he rolls over and says, Honey, I can't go today. You're going to have to teach. <laughs> so here we are. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I remember Nancy Dufresne talking about that, how, you know, Brother Ed used to tell her times, you know, they'd be at a specific service, and she'd be thinking, okay, I got the nighttime service, he's got the daytime, I have this afternoon to get ready, no problem. And he'd get there at the service in the morning and goes, you're preaching, have at it, you know, and she'd have to just dig deep in the well. So this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25, through basically the end of that chapter. And... uh I was going to wait to the end of the service to, to share all that with you, but the Holy Spirit says, no, I'll do it in the beginning. That way people aren't questioning what's happening and get a little confused here. <clears throat> so Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. How many of you ever heard this? I enjoy worrying. Said nobody. Ever. <laughs> I enjoy worrying. No, no, Never. Never, never, never. Everybody knows that worry is bad, right? We all know worry is bad. God does not want us to worry. Church people will tell you, the Lord says don't worry, right? But yet, with a show of hands, how many of you ever worry? Amen. We all do. We all get into that. But you know, worry, there's too many people. I see it. Oh, I've been seeing it lots and lots. And this is, this is a topic that the, the Lord has been teaching me. So I want to share it with you because I want us all to grow in this and develop in this till we get to the place where we're actually walking the way that Matthew chapter six talks about. Um, you know, the, too many people, they take worry on and it actually begins to make them physically sick. And we don't want to get that way. If we know that the Lord told us not to worry and we agree that it's bad, then why do we continue to do it? Well, there's a couple of reasons that I can think of. One of them is the lack of understanding about what it is and how it works. And another is because people are making wrong choices. Amen. In chapter 6 of Matthew, this is Jesus personally when we read this and it's all red letters, we know that's Jesus talking to us. Jesus is personally teaching the disciples, personally teaching us how and instructing us how to not worry. He, he says in chapter 20, or verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? How many of you have read this chapter before? You've read these verses before. You know, it's a command. It's not, he's not just saying, hey, look, I, I really don't want you to worry. I don't think it's a good idea. He's telling you, do not worry. Don't do it. Now, is this the word of the Lord? Thank you so much. Is this Jesus talking? Amen. Are his words powerful? Are they just as powerful today as they were when he spoke them? Amen. Are they for us, just as they were for the disciples when he spoke them. Yes, amen. So these words are timeless truths that have power, that can make change in our lives. Amen. We know that the word of God says that the word is truth, and that truth will do what? What's that? Sets you free. It sets you free. But if that were the end of it, we would all be walking in more freedom than we are. Right? It's not just the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that you know. And I'm not talking about truth that I can recite. It's truth that you know in your head and in your heart that you act upon that sets you free. Amen? So we have to learn that the Word of God living in us, it's living, it's powerful. Correct? It's powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces through the soul and the marrow. It divides asunder the joints and the marrow. Amen? It separates. The Word of God is so powerful. We've got to get it in us. 
And sometimes I like to do this. In fact, I'm going to ask you all if you'll just do this with me. All right. I want to recite this. Lord, I love your word. I love your word. Your word is alive. It's living in me. It's powerful. It is able to make change in any and all circumstances that I find myself in. I am always led into triumph because of your word. Amen. His word will lead us and guide us always into triumph. His word abides forever. Amen. Where am I here? You know, um, back here it says, uh, when he says, he's talking about, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? That right there stops a lot of people because they don't see themselves as valuable. They don't see themselves the way God sees them. God values us so much that who did he send? His only son, his very beloved, right? The Holy One of Heaven. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. If we can get a hold of how much he loves us, that's why these songs that we sang this morning, worship team, you led us right into this, all about the love of God and his greatness and his goodness and his thoughts and intents toward us. They're perfect. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, the word, when we said um, Mary, when she said, be it done unto me according to your word, that word that she spoke, be it done unto me, became manifested. It was Jesus became manifested in the flesh. And those miracles like that are still being manifested today if we'll just believe them and act on them. So it says, why do you worry about clothing? Have you ever done it? I've done it. <laughs> We've all done it. But he says to take no thought. That that there means take no thought. It deals with anxious thoughts. Now, we're not going to just stop thinking about things, right? I mean, that would be kind of silly. He expects us to think about things, but not with anxious thoughts. And then, you know, we can always know whenever we've crossed that line from just thinking about something into being anxious and worrying about it. How can we know that? We know that because it causes us, those thoughts then cause us to become harassed in our thinking. We're harassed all the time. We're tormented all the time. That's how we know if we're just thinking about something and it's just kind of there or if it's actually an anxious thought because it's something that causes us to have anxiety. We're not sleeping well. We're not eating well. You know, it causes us to constantly think about that one thing and be be um, focused on that. But the Lord tells us not to worry. So if he tells us not to worry, how many of you think we can do that? He wouldn't tell us something that we can't do. Amen? So, and he says, isn't your life more valuable than one of those? It's more valuable than the birds of the air. Hallelujah. Praise God. But how about if we get to this point where we can stop just thinking about these things and start believing what the word says? I know I need to get to that point. You know, a a situation comes up and the first thing that goes is, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But he, what does he say? He says, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. Amen. He tells us repeatedly in the word. How many times can you remember hearing in the word? Fear not. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Don't worry, don't worry. And we know that anything that's pushing us into fear, where's that coming from? It comes from the enemy. Anything that causes us to fear, have anxiety of any time, at any point, or panic. How many of you have ever had, like, they call them panic attacks? You know, what does that do? That actually affects you, not just in your mind, but... People can't breathe. Their heart starts racing. Fear is tangible, right? It's tangible. And God knows that these types of things can cause physical harm to us. That's why he tells us to don't fear, don't panic. And when we look at worry, we can tell it it's a manifestation of fear. There's different varying degrees of fear. It can be something from just a mild dread to something that's a full-blown panic, you know, off the charts, spazzing out, you know. 
So there's varying degrees of fear. But nonetheless, we're not to fall into that. The one common thread that all of these things have is this. They all come from the enemy. They're all lies of the enemy. And they're all sent to keep us in bondage. How many of you know fear paralyzes you? Have you ever been in that place? I'll share this with you. I was, um, I experienced this firsthand, uh, oh golly, several years ago. A situation happened in my life and I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. It was just not get out of it, but how I was going to deal with it. This fear, and this, I'm, ta- you know, I'm talking about this with you all today because not just because it might be happening to you, but you may come into contact with somebody who's experiencing it and you need to know how to get them out of it. This fear I've never experienced before. It was so tangible. It um, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Got to the point where I'm in a room with, with friends and family and somebody would get up to leave the room and I would panic. That fear of loss, that fear of separation. There was It just was something I'd never experienced before. That lasted, praise God, only three weeks. <laughs> it was the longest three weeks of my life. But I tell you, when I was in that pl- in that place, it was hard for me to pray. It was hard for me to to get into the Word and to to just get myself out. You know, I I was having a tough time with that. That thing really wanted me, wanted to grip me, and it was it was having a good time at it. Let me tell you. But I thank God for other people who the Lord sends along to lift you up, to intercede for you when you're at times. That's why we need each other, why we're at times when the enemy's attacking. You know, when you're making progress in the things of God, that's when he's going to get you. That's when he's going to send his his strongest attack because he wants to stop you. He doesn't want you to continue to make progress. He wants us to stop. Amen? How many of you have ever experienced that? You're making progress, you're going along really good, and then all of a sudden, wham, you're blindsided by something. Ever happen? Am I the only one? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we, we have to get to the place where we're so full of the word of God. And that's really what, what this is all about is when we look at, when I look at chapter six, verses 25 through the end, and he's telling me, don't worry. He's pointing back to God, the creator, God, the, 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 um, the provider. Didn't, didn't he create the birds of the field? Didn't he create the lilies of the field? Didn't he create all these things? And doesn't he sustain them? He does. How much more? Scripture even says, how much more will he take care of you? You know, I looked at um, back in the garden. He looked at the creation and he says, oh, it's good. He admires the creation. He loves the creation. He loves and provides and cherishes, cherishes and takes care of. But how much more will he take care of us? How much more will he provide for us? Because we're his children. Amen. And I've heard this, and I'm not trying to step on any toes, but maybe you can help some folks out with this. How many of you ever heard people, when they get to a certain age, they start to say things like, well, you know, I'm living on a fixed income, so I have to be careful. You ever heard that? Now, that may be a fact, but that's not truth. There's a huge difference. Because the word of God says, the Lord said, with long life will I satisfy you. How can you be satisfied when you don't have? In long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. He wants us to live long on the earth. He expects us to live long on the earth. And that does not change his word. No matter how long you live, it does not change his word. He is still Jehovah Jireh. Amen? He is still the God who does what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. He is still that same God. So we have to get out of the mentality, out of the the, the world's way of thinking, when we get older, oh, I got to prepare for retirement. Oh, I, I'm not saying, let me clarify this. I'm not saying don't be wise. We have to be wise. We have to make preparation. God expects us to, 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 um, 
how's he say, you know, we have to lay up an inheritance for our children and our children's children? He expects us to do these things, but at the same time, we're not to take those anxious thoughts about, oh, I can't give to this ministry, or I can't give to that person, or I can't help out here, or I can't enjoy this over here because I'm living on a fixed income. Those words should not ever be in a Christian's vocabulary because the second we say fixed, we automatically push God out of the way, we tie his hands behind his back, and he stands there looking at you saying, I have blessings I'm trying to get to you, but you have boxed me out. By your own decree, by your own declarations, you say you have to live this way. But that's not his plan. Never been his plan. I don't remember the age that Colonel Sanders was when he got uh, into the, the chicken business, but I know it was retirement age. Imagine that. The Lord leads him into discovering how to make Kentucky Fried Chicken and we all get to enjoy it. Amen. And he became very, very rich. Then there's many, many stories of other people who have just listened and followed the voice of the Holy Spirit, even in old age, and God supplied their need. We have to get out of the world's way of thinking. We cannot. I wrote this down. I said, we have to actually nullify his word to believe that we have to live on a fixed income. We don't need to do that. We can either believe that he is God and that he is good and that he will provide for us all the days of our lives, or we don't. But that word satisfies. Says, With long life will I satisfy you. That means to the full. To the full and overflowing. Amen? God will always take us to the full and overflowing. He never stops halfway. So how do we not worry? That's the key thing. How do we do it? It's not just a decision where we wake up one morning and go, Oh, I'm not going to worry today. You know, or we don't just get born again and go, Oh, there we go. No more worry. No more fear. I'm immune. That doesn't happen. But it is a process that we have to develop in. One of the ways is we have to stop worrying by replacing it with something else. We replace it with what the word says about that situation. If it's if it's a need that we're looking at and we choose to look at that need, then we're not looking at the provision that's already been made. We have to change what it is that we're looking at. If we're looking at the wrong things, then that thing, that wrong thing will feed fear into your heart. It'll begin to feed your heart with fear, feed your mind with fear, feed your thoughts with fear. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us, isn't it? Because fear paralyzes it stops us so we want to make sure that we are always looking at what the word says about that situation if it's a need what does he say about our needs my god shall supply half my needs no he said my god shall supply all my needs while i'm young all my needs while i'm married All my needs while I'm in business. All my needs while I'm working. No. My God shall supply all my needs. Period. How? According to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus. Amen. So we have to believe that. What if it's healing? What if we have something going on in our body? Should we be focusing on those symptoms? If we're focusing on those symptoms, I know this one from my own experience... As long as I'm looking at that pain and I'm talking about that pain and I'm allowing that pain to have preeminence in my thought life, guess what? That pain gets louder and louder and hurts more and hurts more and hurts more. takes longer to get under control. But if I say no, at the very first symptom, the very first sign of pain, if I say no, the word of God says by his stripes I am healed. This pain has no authority in my body, no place in my body. What does it have to do? It has to bow its knee. It has to go. It has no choice. When we meet a symptom, when we meet an issue with the word of God, like Brother Hagin used to say, when you get the natural, comes up against the supernatural, one of them is going to give. Which one do you think it's going to be? The supernatural. we got to get the supernatural acting in our lives. Amen? And we're only going to do that by the word of God, getting to know the word of God, not just by rote. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I don't want to miss any of this here. 
The Word of God says that, <clears throat> oh, I, I wrote this. I love this. There's thoughts. You know, the enemy's always putting thoughts in our head. He's the one who pushes the thoughts. He's the one who sends them. He's always going to be sending them. But here's a very profound idea. Guess what? We don't have to take them. We don't have to take them. How do we do that? The Word of God says, taking every thought captive, make it prisoner to the obedience of Christ. We take that thought and we go, thought, how do you measure up with what the Word says about you? And we can, we can just contain it right there in the Word of God. My God shall supply all of my needs. He said, if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added to me. He said that by his stripes I am healed. He himself bore all of my sicknesses, all of my pains, all of my griefs, all of my sorrows. Amen? Amen. So we have to take every thought, every not, not just a few, every thought that is contrary to the word of God and match it up to the word. And the word is always going to win. We have to refuse anything that would cause fear, anything that would cause distress or grief or pain in our lives, because we know that doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy. And we were talking about this just a little bit, but I think if people really understood a lot of the symptoms that we have, the things that we experience in our bodies are caused because we're living in worry or we're living in fear. A lot of people walk around with high blood pressure. They walk around with heart issues. They walk around with um, depression, oppression. They walk around with, um, uh, what is it? They can't sleep. They're, they're mental issues, you know, all because of fear, because of worrying. But what does the Lord say to do about that? He says, cast all of our cares upon him. Cast them. That word cast, when I looked that up, that's really a forceful word. That's not just meaning like if I take this paper here and I say, here, Cheryl, here, would you take that? No, it's it's casting. It's get this thing off of me. I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to receive it. There is some force. There is some authority behind casting your care upon the Lord. Amen. We're casting that on him. Why? Because he cares for us. We're not meant to carry worry. Our bodies aren't created for it. Adam and Eve, look at them in the garden. There was no worry in the beginning. There was no worry. There was no need to worry. God provided everything. God took care of everything. All they had to do was live in peace, enjoy their lives, fellowship with the Lord, and all is good. But then after the fall, now all of a sudden all this stuff the enemy is putting on us. We have to rise up to the point where we understand who God is, who God says we are, and what he says belongs to us, so then we can walk free of all this, free of worry, free of fear, free of anxiety. When we understand the enemy has been placed where? Under our feet, then we've got authority. We can walk in joy. We can walk in peace. We can walk in security. Amen? So the word of God says that To be carnally minded. Carnally minded means thinking of the things of this world. Thinking of our necessities. Thinking of the things that matter to us here in the world. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. And you know what I love? It's not just peace. It's God's peace. Oh, that's a perfect peace. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And, you know, we can tell when we're walking in peace or when we're walking in fear. We can tell because of the presence of fear or the presence of peace. We, we know whether or not we're, we're taking on worry, whether or not we're taking the care of things. What does God tell us? Don't do it. Everybody say, don't do it. Don't do it. He tells us, don't do it. It'll come. The enemy is trying. He's going to try and put it on you. I remember this. Brother Hagen was telling us one time. You know, he was getting into his traveling ministry, and during his traveling ministries in the the early ages, um, he had financial issues, 
And he says, you know, I was being obedient to the Lord, going where he told me to go. He says, but you know, my car had four bald tires. And he said, everywhere that you went, you'd hear flippity-flap, 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 flippity-flap. And every time it sounded like the enemy saying, what you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do? You have no tires. You have no money. What you going to do? What you going to do? He said, I'm going to do just what the Lord tells me to do. And I'm going to be obedient and act like the word is so. Now, that's kind of interesting. Act like the word is so. You know, the enemy didn't stop just because he said that one time. He had to keep on going back because he kept saying, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You got no tires. You got no money for tires. You got no, no clothes to wear. You don't even have adequate shoes to wear. He kept bombarding him with financial lack, financial lack, financial lack. And he kept saying, you know, Father, I had it better back there when I was ministering at the church. I lived in the best parsonage I ever lived in, had the best salary I ever had. But he wasn't living God's best. He wasn't being obedient. The Lord told him, I never called you to pastor. I called you to evangelize. So, you know, as soon as you step out, just like I said, when you step out into doing what the word says, doing what the Lord commands you to do, the enemy's going to come at you. He's going to attack you. But we still don't worry. He just said, I'm going to do what the word says. I'm just going to act like the word is so. And before you knew it, money started coming. I don't remember the rest of that story. I just know somehow he ended up getting four brand new tires. I think the next church that he went to, an automobile guy, uh, somebody there owned an automobile shop and just gave him four new tires. And, uh, you know, money started coming in and clothes started coming in. And so through obedience, and that's the other thing, worry and fear will keep you from obeying the word. Worry and fear. I can't tell you how many times throughout the years I have had people come to me and say, Pastor, you know, I know tithing is right. I know the Lord wants me to tithe. But if I do, I won't have enough money to pay my bills. Don't you know? That's backwards. (laughs) If we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, what happens? All these things. Come on, say with me. All these things will be added unto you. God will add all things unto us if we seek first his kingdom. One of the things that I see so much anymore is people in the secular world and in the Christian world seeking themselves, especially in the area of business. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't own business. I think we should. I think as Christians, we should own more businesses than anybody else. I think we should be the most successful in our businesses than anybody else. Because I know God's hand of blessing will be upon our businesses. Amen? But it's when you're seeking those businesses and you forget the kingdom that you fall into trouble. And I see it happen. I see it happen quite a lot. And God tells us we're not to do that. We're to seek first his kingdom, and then he will add unto us. And how many of you know, if he's adding unto us, there's no limit. Amen? There's no limit. Amen. Now, I had to learn this one over the, the vacation time. I'll share this with you. There's, we talked about a couple of reasons why um, people fall into worry. They don't know what's important. They don't know how much they're important to God the value that God places on them. Number two is they look at things, they're looking at the wrong things. They're looking at the problem. They're looking at the issue. They're looking at the lack. They look at their, their bank account. How many of you ever done this? You look at your bank account. It says zero today. There's nothing in there. And you're going, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? All day long, you're doing nothing but fretting and worrying about this bank account. You go to bed all dis- in despair and disheveled because there's nothing in this bank account. Guess what? You wake up in the morning and there's still nothing in your bank account. So what did that do for you? Nothing. It's like the word of God says here. How many of you can add one one cubit to your stature? How many of you can solve that problem on your own? You can't. We need the Lord's help. Amen. The third thing, the third way is when we we won't acknowledge that this thing is beyond us. They keep trying to fix it and change it or do something about it on your own. And guess what? We can't. We were on vacation. I ended up with a situation like this. Um, 
<clears throat> you know, I sell real estate, and before we went on vacation, I wanted to make sure that all of my contracts were done. Everything was set up. Everything was ready to go. Inspections were done. Everybody who had who, who had need of copies, all those copies were sent out. Everything was done so that I can go on vacation and have fun. I just wanted to be with the grandbabies, be with my daughter and my and her husband, and just enjoy. Well, how many of you know that did not happen? <laughs> Did not happen. The one contract that I thought, this is a breeze, everything's done, we're going to settle on Monday when I get back. Well, guess what? We're not settling on Monday now that I'm back. Things fell apart, and they fell apart bad. And I'm sitting, I'm over there, I'm in Florida. My client's over here. I can't help him. I can't sit with him. He doesn't understand computers. And how many of you know I am not the first person you're going to come running to for computer help? Yes, don't talk to me about it. I have no clue. And so here I am trying to help this man go through the home mortgage process and what they need. And I can't see the documents because, you know, we're out and about. I'm not by my computer. I can't look at these things. And the enemy is bombarding me. You need to solve this. He's going to be homeless. You need to get something done. You need to talk to somebody. You need to find an answer. It's your fault. You should have done this before you left. All these thoughts kept coming at me. Finally, I said to pastor, I said, you know what, honey? I said, I don't know what to do. I am just, I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. The most profound words my husband could ever have spoken to me. He says, you know what? He says, there was a guy I know. He said this. He said, "Um, those things that I can't change, or those those things that I can change, I don't worry about because I can change them. I can fix whatever's wrong. But those things that I can't change, I don't worry about them either because I can't change them. Like, well, yeah, duh. That's that's kind of (laughs) true. If I can't change it, I can't change it. There's nothing I can do about it. So I, the Holy Spirit kept telling me, cast your care. Just, just. do you know the second that I repented... (laughs) I mean the very second. I rep- I did this. I went in the bathroom and said, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I'm trying to make this situation better. I'm trying to solve the problem. I know that I can't do this. Please forgive me. Just take it all. Whoever needs to be in whatever place to make the signatures appear, have at it. The second I repented, that thing came off of me. And like I said, tangible, this is tangible. Fear is tangible. I felt that thing leave me. Not to say the problem was solved, but it was solved here. I didn't, I didn't have it anymore. And see, it had nothing to do with me. My life was still going to be fine, but I'm worrying for this other person. Is that my job? No. No, it's not. It's not. So I had to learn. I'm still learning. Cast my care on the Lord. He is the only one who can solve all these things. Amen. And again, casting, that cast your cares upon the Lord is the same one, the same word in First uh, John 4.18. Let me see if I can go there real quick. First <clears throat> John chapter 4. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That word cast is the same word cast in cast your cares, throw it, as this word, perfect love, love is God, God is love, God will cast that fear out. Amen? Why? Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Perfect, mature, whole in God. Hallelujah. It's the same word. We have to understand how much God loves us. We sing that song, Oh, How He Loves Us. Did y'all know that song? Oh, How He Loves Us. That just gets me. Whenever I just even say it, Oh, God, you love me. I just, in my in my spirit, it just quickens up. It just wakes up because the love is for that He has for us is so strong. It's so strong. Amen. There's nothing he would not do for us. I remember Ethel teaching one time about, um, you know, if God doesn't have it, he'll make it. (laughs) If there's something we need and we can't find it and God doesn't have it, he'll create it. Just for us, because he loves us so much. 
when we realize we have to have the realization of just who God is. The song we were singing, to, a couple of songs that we sang today, sang about his greatness. Mighty God, excellent God, high and lifted up, right? Creator of all things, hallelujah. When we understand that that God loves us so much, he holds us. Think about, now to think about this, try and get a picture of this. Here we are on the earth, all these millions and billions of people, and it's held together in his hand. Just, just, just plops the earth right here with all of us on it in his hand, and he takes care of us. Is there anything for a God so big that he can hold the universe and all of us in his hand that he can't help us solve our problems? That he can't help us get out of a mess that we've gotten ourselves into. Is there anything too big? No! Amen! Praise the Lord! Do you know when we begin to question God's care? He doesn't like that too much. (laughs) Martha did that, remember? When they were sitting at the feet of Jesus and Mary and Martha were there, Mary, he said, had the better spot. But Martha was in there toiling, trying to get dinner and everything together. And she comes out, Master, don't you care? What about the disciples when they were on the boat and be, the boat begins to fill up with water and they go under under the uh, underside of the boat and they say, Master, don't you care? We're perishing. Questioning his love for them. Questioning his care for them. His protection for them. That's not a good thing. He has proven to us. How many of you know and can say he has proven to us over and over and over? I can tell you the times he has proven his love for me oh my goodness there were times when I was in situations got myself in them but he got me out amen he got me out he proved his love for us we should be working on demonstrating our love toward him how much we love him and how do we do that he says if you love me you'll do what Come on, somebody help me. You'll do what? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Do what the word of God says. Amen. Praise God. We can demonstrate our love for him by keeping his commandments, by walking in the light of the word that we know. Hallelujah. And then letting the Holy Spirit illuminate more. Illuminate more to us. And the more aware that we are, of how much he loves us, then the stronger our faith becomes. Because faith works by love. Our faith works by love. When we know that we know that we know that God will take care of us no matter what, we can trust him. We put our faith in him. And our faith grows because of that. It's something that's developed. And again, it doesn't happen overnight. But we can make the choice to become more skillful in it. Amen. I remember Jesse Duplantis how many of you like Jesse? Brother Jesse. Oh, he makes me laugh. You know, he's got several different uh, TV stations and buildings and just millions and millions and millions of dollars every month that he has to bring in to take care of all these expenses so that he can get the word out there to people. And um, somebody came to him one time and he said, he says, Brother Jesse, all these millions of dollars you need every month. He goes, what do you do? How do you do it? You know, how, how, how do you take care of all this? And he says, well, easy. When the bill comes in, I just hold it up and say, Jesus, you got mail. <laughs> Amen. He realizes this is not my doing. I didn't decide to start this church. I didn't decide to start this TV ministry. I didn't decide to buy this satellite. You told me to do it. Therefore, if you told me to do it, you'll make provision for it. So therefore, the care is not on him. The care is on the Lord. And he just has to walk it out. He just has to be obedient. Amen? We have to be obedient to the word. That's all. That's our job. That's what God wants us to do. Is God big enough to do it? Yeah. Amen. Can he do it? Will he? Does he want to? Amen. All the time. Every day. You know, you again, we can tell whether or not we're walking in just thinking about something or we've crossed that line over into worrying about it because again those thoughts begin to eat at you how many of you have ever had a thought that just kind of sat right here you know in italian we call that agita we get agita (laughs) that thought just kind of gets us 
and 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 it just kind of sits there, you know. And we mull it over and mull it. My grandmother was the biggest worrywart ever, ever, ever on the face of this earth. She worried about things before it was even, you know, a, a twinkle in somebody's eye. It just she just worried all the time. And she walked around with Audrey. She had high blood pressure. She had all kinds of physical things because of taking that worry upon herself. We were not designed to do it. So is this something that we should stop? Amen. We should stop worrying. We should take those thoughts captive when? Immediately. Immediately. The second that thought comes into your head, if we don't stop it there, it's going to eventually continue to grow and grow and grow. And then those thoughts go down into our heart. And now we've got a bigger issue. So we got to be careful, get those things out immediately. Bring it under, bring it into subjection to the Word of God immediately. You know, we hear a lot of things. The reason why I think that the Holy Spirit wants us to talk about these things now is because of everything we're hearing in the world. No matter where you turn, if you turn on the TV, it's on the news. If you flip open Facebook, it's all over Facebook. There are stories of um, sexual abuse here. Food shortages. People are in, in fear of food shortages. People are in food of, fear of water shortages. The economy collapsing. They're in fear of wars and of terrorism and all these things. Climate change. Some people are saying the, the, the earth's going to blow up and, and, and implode. Other people are saying we're going to fall under this water and we're going to all drown. Other people are saying, you know, and it's, well, this one is right. It's going to blow up with fire, but not yet, you know. But all these things are attacking us. All these, these thoughts and these fears are trying to come in and get us to believe that God is not still God. That God is not still on the throne. That the Word of God is not still established in heaven forever. It will not change. He will not change. Doesn't the Word say, Have I said it and will I not accomplish it? He said, I will not let the, my word return unto me void, but it will accomplish whatever it was sent forth to do. We have to put our trust in the word of God and stop thinking the way that the world thinks. Stop falling into worry and fear and doubt and unbelief. Take no thought. The enemy is going to continually throw these things at us, but we can turn the tables on him and immediately say, no, the word of God said, it is written. It is written. Jesus answered everything with the word. That's what we need to do. Answer everything with the word of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I heard somebody say this. I, I believe it was Corey Tim Boom. She was talking about um, worry. And she says, worry saps today of its joy. If we're too busy worrying, we have no, no room for joy. We have no room for peace. Amen? What testimony is that to the unbeliever? If we're walking around with no joy, we're walking around constantly depressed, constantly, you know, under, under this black cloud, you know, how are we testifying of a God who is love, a God who is all powerful <laughs> and almighty? You know, our testimony is important. This is a, is a quote from Corey Ten. She says, Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. You're carrying two days at once, moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. So it's a good thing not to worry. And then somebody else said this. They said, no amount of regret can change the past and no amount of worrying can change the future. Isn't that true? We make the choice to look not at the problem, but to look at the solution. You know, when worry tries to get us focused on this thing, you know, it's, it's just as easy to go like this and go this way instead. Choose to look at this thing. You know, choose to look at what the Word says. Look at what God said. You know, there's a lot of times people have a hard time believing that God loves them. We need to get to the place where we understand just how much God loves us. 
Amen. And not let worry have its way in our heart, but instead grab hold of it. Grab hold of it. Put it under our feet where it belongs. And walk out in victory. Amen. Amen. I love this verse in 1 John. There is no fear in love. If you just stop there, that's enough. There's no fear in love. But then he goes on and talks about, but perfect love casts out fear. That's God protecting us. That's God having our back. Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made love and perf- been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. He first loved us and gave his life for us. Gave his son the best that heaven could give. So this morning, I just want to encourage us. You know, um, I know Pastor Pastor's not here and. That, to me, was a little bit of a thing this morning. You know, after 30 years in ministry, this is only the second time that he's not been here by my side. That was a little rough. (laughs) You know. But I know what God's word says. His word says he's healed. His word says that his joy will be his strength. Amen. And I know that... The prayers that we've prayed over him, laying hands on him already, his body's getting stronger and stronger. Amen. If I didn't know that, (laughs) I'd probably be a different person this morning. The only other time that he wasn't here was uh, when we first got started in ministry. goes right along with what we're talking about today. You know, we started the church in 1990. It was a very whirlwind (laughs) <laughs> first two years of our lives. We uh, had our first date in November, got engaged in December, got married, or sorry, the church in February, got married in April, had our first child in July, in March, <laughs> the, the following year. But I mean, it was just a constant. The Lord kept moving and moving and moving and moving us. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure that is on a new family to begin with, but then you're starting a new church. And that, you know, they tell you in your first year of marriage, don't buy a house your first year. Don't start a business your first year. Well, we kind of did it all. And also don't have a baby your first year. We just kind of everything right in there. And so after we started the church, um, you know, he was still working full time. I was still working full time. But then when I got pregnant, I was so sick. That was, that was it. Um, I couldn't work and, uh, was home for a while. And then it got time where the Lord told us it's time for him to go full time in ministry. So we took a step of faith and we, he quit his job, which meant we lost that salary. And the church at the time was not able to make up that salary. We lost our health benefits. And um, I think he quit his job on a Friday. By that next Monday or Tuesday, he was in the hospital with full-blown pneumonia in both, both lungs. Yeah. So when you're moving on with God, the enemy comes in right away. He wastes no time. It was It was definitely something that was... I mean, you could just see it was spiritual. It was not something, uh, nothing in the natural. That was a spiritual attack, and we know that. But God got us through it. God provided everything that we had need of. If we would have sat back and worried about this thing, look, we wouldn't have grown. We wouldn't have got past it, wouldn't have got through it. We probably would have quit the ministry. But God had a way. And so the only reason I'm sharing this with you is that I want you to look at your own lives and see there are things that are happening that are not natural. There's a spirit that's behind that. And if we meet that spirit with the spirit of God, which is the word of God, we'll we'll win every time. Every time. Every time we win. So I'm learning not to worry. I'm learning to cast all of my cares. And I will get from one place to the next. But understanding that each time we grow, 
each step that we make, there's a greater responsibility that the Lord's going to add to us. And as that responsibility comes, guess what? Now comes another attack. But you get past that one and then you grow to the next level and then another attack. As long as we're aware that those attacks are going to come and be ready to deal with them with the word of God, we'll win every time. But our, our goal, God's goal, is to get us from where we're at into a place like Brother Jesse. You know, I'm not saying we're all going to have international ministries and have, you know, billions of, um, need billions of dollars to fund a ministry. But what I'm saying is he's going to give us that kind of responsibility to minister to other people's lives. Amen. He wants us to grow into that place. So, <clears throat> this morning, I just want us to, uh, just concentrate on the greatness of God, the, the the bigness of our God. Because that song we were singing, For thou, O Lord, art high above the heavens. We were coming back in the airplane, and, you know, Lissy didn't want the, the window down. I don't know why, but she want the, didn't want it down. And then when she wasn't paying attention, I put the window up. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking out the window, and all I see is the clouds down there. And, you know, there's something about being up so high that you start thinking about what's up higher, you know, what else is there? And I start thinking, God, if this this plane can keep us up in the air, you create you created all this stuff down here. This is amazing. This is the God of our universe. He created all of this. He's awesome. And it just had me focusing on the fact that God is huge. <laughs> He's huge. There's nothing that we will ever face in our lives that God cannot get us through. Amen. Amen. Well, aren't we all stand up? I'm going to ask the worship team, at least those of you who are here, if we could sing that song one more time. I exalt thee. If there's been a time, or you're even in a time now, when worry and fear has been trying to grip you, has been trying to uh, rob your focus of the blessings of God, rob your focus, keep you focused on negative as opposed to focused on the word and what God says is ours, I want you just to... You know, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you right now. Repent of it. Let him, let him deal with that. Let him take that away and just put your focus back on him. He is the God of wonders, the God of miracles. Amen. He's huge. I don't know about you, but I get excited when I think of his greatness. I get excited when I think about just him. <laughs> When you just think about Him and how great He is and how much He loves us, how much He cares for us. Amen? Amen. Well, hold, why don't you go ahead and sing that song?
go out this week, if a situation comes up that tries to grip your heart, grip your thoughts, tries to cause pressure to come upon you, tries to cause fear or panic to come into your heart or into your mind, grab hold of that. Take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Make it obey you and let the peace of God rule in your life. Let the peace of God rule and reign. Amen. Amen. Well, Father God, we're so grateful to you for your word. We're so grateful, Father, that you did send the Holy Spirit, that he will remind us of your word. He will keep us in perfect peace, Father God. I thank you, Lord, as we set our hearts and our minds and our focus on you. Lord, that perfect perfect peace will guard us, will protect us, will lead us every day, every day, Father. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, Father, for what you have ahead for us, Lord, because we know your plans are perfect. Your plans are true. Your plans are great. And, Father, we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to your will this week. And we thank you, Father, that you'll even lead people into our past, that we can minister the peace of God to, that we can help out of that situation where the enemy might be trying to hold them captive, trying to hold them prisoner to to fear, to doubt, to unbelief. But, Father, your word is truth. And as we present your word to them, Father, that truth will set them free. I thank you for it, Father. And I give you all the glory, all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother, are you coming? Okay. If you're sitting in God's presence, hallelujah. All right. Amen. We really thank God for um, everyone that is here today and for those of us that are watching by way of the Internet. Um, David said that how good and pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity. And we always enjoy your company and all your presence in church um, to share in this fellowship. And it's been wonderful, you know, from uh, when the church started um, to the choir administration, it's been almost the same thing. God is your friend. You don't have to worry. You don't have to carry your cares by yourself. And we really thank God for Sister Connie for giving us the word, um, the way God want, uh, wanted me to be. I've really been blessed by that word. Hallelujah. Um, oh, during the week, I was reading uh, the book of Luke part of what she read today in Matthew, the book of Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 25, already said, And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? 26 said, And if ye then be not able to do that, that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Um, I had to look up the length of one cubit. And um, I discover is about 50 centimeter. And 50 centimeter is about the longest bone in an adult human. That is the femur. You know, and God is saying, if you cannot add 50 cm of bone to your stature, then why do we have to worry about other things? And he considered this to be the least thing to do. In other words, to add 50 cm of bone to your stature is the least thing to do than think about a plate of food on your table. Is that true? That is our God. I mean, to human is impossible, but that is what God is saying. It is easier to have 50 cm of length added to your stature. You can even do it than to think about a plate of food on your table. So we just have to let those cares and those worries to be on him. Hallelujah. If anything, let's go to the wards and find those people that the doctors have amputated and speak life to those legs. Let them come back. He said it's easier for us to do those ones. Hallelujah. Thank God for today. It's really been wonderful. And uh, the press report we have here today from Sister Vanessa, um, she said, I received an unexpected bonus 
in my job. Hallelujah. You know, those extra dollars, you know, in your account is always something very precious to have. And we quickly want to remind us that next Sunday, um, the, the church will be having the second picnic at pastor's house. And usually there is opportunity to jump into the pool and we'll have a lot of barbecues and so many other things to eat. So come prepared for that. Hallelujah. So go in the strength of the Lord. You know, share the grace with one another as we leave the church service this morning. And may God bless our week for us. Amen.